Hello and welcome back to the Business Casual. My name is Stacy, and today I am joined by Marjorie King from SoGal Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. We're so excited to have you here and representing SoGal Foundation. Before we begin, why don't you just introduce yourself and give us a 30-second elevator pitch so our listeners can get a chance to get to know you. So, hey, I am Marjorie King, like you mentioned, head of partnerships for the SoGal Foundation. I currently reside in Atlanta, Georgia. I went to Howard University. And uh, let's see, I am just really glad to be in charge of growing the strategic partnerships of this wonderful organization. Amazing. And we're so happy to have you on the show all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. It's so exciting because um, I'm from Toronto. So it's really cool to have people from all over the country and the world joining us and being us, being on the show with us today. Um, so before we start, we're going to do five rapid fire questions. So have fun with it. And these are just a way to get give our listeners a chance to get to know you better in terms of like your interests and what you do outside of your professional life. So with that, we will start with your guilty pleasure. Tamarind candy. I can eat it all day long. So it's like a sweet and tangy Mexican candy. Oh, okay. I've never heard of it. Tamarind candy. Yes, it is the best from a, <laughs> from a tamarind tree. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. I love candy and chocolate. So that's also my guilty pleasure. Um, would you rather be able to go into the future or the past and why? Future. I want to wear a jetpack and hover <laughs> over things and fly around. So the future. Perfect. What is your biggest pet peeve? When p- bullies, bullies. Yeah. When people don't treat others well or the way they want to be treated. For sure. What is something on your bucket list that you haven't done yet? I haven't been to Africa. I really, <sighs> really want to go. Africa. That's so cool. I have also never been anywhere in even close to there, to be honest, other than, yeah, no, like not even anywhere remotely close to that. So I would also love to go there one day. And last but not least, what is your drink of choice? Cranberry juice is such a weird thing, but cranberry yeah, juice. That's a good one. Though. Isn't that like supposed to be really good for your health? Isn't that like a healthy juice, I think? Yeah, we're going to go with that. I think so. <laughs> All right. Uh, and with that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about SoGal Foundation, kind of like what the company and foundation does, what your role is. Um, I know they have like different chapters in each school. Like just give us a whole rundown on SoGal Foundation. Yeah, so SoGal Foundation is currently made up of 50 chapters across the globe. We're now in six continents, um, which is amazing, especially to be an organization that has really been um, blossoming, I would say, within the last two years. So we are focused on eliminating those barriers to entrepreneurship for women and persons of color or diverse persons. Um, So not totally focused um, 100% on women. We do um, recognize the challenges that diverse men and non-binary people have as well um, in terms of having access to entrepreneurship. So we're focused on eliminating those barriers. Um, Barriers include um, capital, um, networking, supply chains. Um, In addition to that, um, there are, you know, racial and biases that also allow for other, you know, for people to, to not make it where they need to, to go or to grow the business the way they need to grow their business. So we really are focused on, again, eliminating those barriers. We use our chapters as um, local ecosystems that are 
um, really the bread and butter of the organization. they are volunteer leaders who run the chapters and they figure out what is important to their membership, what education they need to um, grow the business. Is it pitching? Is it fundraising? Is it marketing? So they figure out what they need in their local ecosystem um, for their local entrepreneurs. They host incredible events. Um, and uh, our reach, I think last year we had about 10,000 event attendees across the globe. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so good stuff. Yeah, for sure. And then, so you said you were the uh, director of partnerships, is that correct? Yes. So that that role is it brings my life so much joy. I've done partnerships in the last few organizations that I've worked for. And really what it entails is um, partnering with the corporations or the individuals that also believe in the value um, of eliminating the barriers to entrepreneurship. So just to give you a little bit of context into how big of a problem this is, um, women are funded six times less than men in entrepreneurship, right? Wow. In addition to that, um, diversity, if we just look at diversity and entrepreneurship alone in the United States, it's pretty crazy. 80% um, of entrepreneurs in the U.S. are um, white, and then the remaining 19.8% are of persons of color. And that looks really different than the makeup of the country as a whole, which is about closer to 50-50 um, in terms of a primary and then diverse persons of color. Um, and so, so the diversity gap is pretty strong in America. If um, entrepreneurship was equitable and in America, there would be an additional 1.1 million jobs. There would, um, I mean, an additional 9 million, million jobs, excuse me, but 1.1 million more companies. So there would be an additional 1 million companies, an additional 9 million jobs, and an additional $300 billion um, that the company could add to its GDP. So we're missing out on a lot there by not having diversity in entrepreneurship. So for people that believe that not only are the investors missing out on profits, um, but the country is missing out um, on jobs and the wealth gap is growing wider because of this, I um, would love to partner with those organizations and say, hey, how can you strategically support our organization, support the um, startups um, and the founders within our organization so that we can we can solve this problem. That's incredible. I mean, my jaw literally dropped when you said those stats because that's just insane. Like you don't think that, like it's crazy when you hear the numbers and you like are really giving it black and white how much of a diversity gap there is. And just like, as you said, like how much change would happen if there was just an equal playing field for all and it's just crazy to think that even in such a like progressive you know like we've progressed so much but we really haven't when you look at the numbers like that and considering we're living in 2020 i mean it still blows my mind that this is still a challenge for so many people out there yeah yeah so we're excited we just um closed actually a, a four new partners this week. So I'm, I'm feeling well, good. Congratulations. That's, oh, that's thank incredible. You. Thank you. So Brex is a startup bank. Um, and we are working strategically with them. And then also there is, um, another, well, we're 
signing the contracts now, so I can't say their name, but they're a no product development organization and we just got the green light today. So once, once that's the paperwork's all signed, I can, I can tell you about it, but it's a really that's good. Very exciting. Yeah. And so working at SoGal, which is an organization which, you know, supports women and just, um, as you said, not only women, but kind of the minorities and people who are, you know, trying to get their foot in the door, you know, what does the phrase female empowerment mean to you or kind of like what, what does it mean to you to work for an organization that does support um, minorities and females and people who are really trying to get their foot in the door? Absolutely. Um, female empowerment, diverse empowerment, it's all about um, that honing in on that inner confidence and amplifying it out to the world. It's saying, hey, we are here, we are capable, we are talented, um, we have what it takes and we make the world a better place. And if you, if we, if you um, see the magic that we have to offer as women, as persons of color um, in the business world and in, in other you know, uh, parts of the world industries, then you'll see how much more profitable and how much more, um, I would say, smooth um, solution finding is. So, so yeah, it's all about just honing in on that inner confidence, again, projecting that out to the world and saying, hey, we are here, we can play, and not only can we do the job, but that we can grow the business and, and make the world, um, again, a, a more, profitable and uh, solution oriented place for all. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you said that really well. I saw a stat the other day somewhere and it said that countries with female leaders in power in the government, um, like across the world, those countries that had females in power um, actually had seen lower coronavirus numbers or had seen a faster decline in COVID numbers after, you know, government policies have been put in place. And, you know, they're saying that one of the reasons is because females are, they were able to kind of understand it a little bit better and be able to put uh, policy, proper policies in place faster than other places in the world. And I mean, obviously there's so many factors that go into obviously COVID and there, it was, you know, a global pandemic that affected every single country. But I thought that was such an interesting stat because even still in terms of like government power, it's still very male dominated. So even like you were saying in other industries other than business, it's about just, yeah, honing in on confidence. And I like asking that question because it's definitely a term that's thrown around a lot. And there's a lot of similar terms that are, and sometimes I think people kind of lose the meaning of it. So it's important to kind of, and obviously it has a different meaning for everyone, but kind of just reflecting on like what it truly means and like how you can implement it in your everyday life is really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as long in our everyday life, as long as we support other women, we um, in, in any way possible um, amplify the work of another person um, that doesn't, that looks like us or doesn't look like us, but that we, um, we never neglect to, to support and then we walk out every day with our heads out high. For sure. I totally agree. And kind of going off of that, you've had the chance to work for a number of different organizations before SoGal. So I'd love to hear about your experience at those various companies in terms of like corporate culture and like why corporate culture is so important to you. 
Yeah, so I've actually been a nonprofit girl for the last five, six years. And so um, nonprofit and corporate sometimes is viewed differently. Um, I started off in corporate. I started off my career after college um, at a company called Accenture Consulting. Mm, yes, yes, I've heard of them. Yeah, um, huge consulting company, great or great um, organization to kind of get your your skills and your bearings when you're entering the real world. Pretty competitive, you know. Teaches you how to stay up late, pivot, uh, exercise, grit. You know, manage office politics. Um, a lot of things that college doesn't necessarily prepare you for. Um, you get all of that and, and working for a big consulting firm like Accenture. So I'm glad to have started my career there. Um, I, one of the things that, and I encourage everyone um, listening, especially if you're still in college or in high school, but you're thinking about what you want to do. When I was at Accenture, I not only did my job as um, an analyst and then consultant, but then there's all these other committees at work that you could be involved in so that you could ha you could have the Hispanic um, People's Advocacy Group or you could have um, LGBTQIA or um, the philanthropic work. So I decided to head up um, a team called People Advocacy, but um, all of our philanthropic projects. So working with the Ronald McDonald House. So basically how do employees give back um, at work and how do they feel um, attached to a mission and that their company is doing a good thing. So I had a, up a lot of those projects and I just finally let it resonate. Like you enjoy working for meaningful, um, uh, I guess, organ. I won't say meaningful because Accenture is incredibly meaningful, but you enjoy working for um, organizations that have a mission to specifically impact the world or improve yeah, that makes sense. the world in a different, in a different way. Um, and so in a more philanthropic way. And so once I came to that conclusion, I quit. I took a huge pay cut and I went to a large organization called Habitat for Humanity and I worked in partnerships there. And it was a I had to figure out how to pivot into nonprofit because as you all will see as you matriculate, pivoting in your career is not the easiest thing to do, like jumping from being a doctor to a lawyer or um, being in corporate to nonprofit. So you making pivots like that has to be strategic when people are looking over your resume. So the, one of the easier ways for me to pivot from a corporation to nonprofit is by working with in a nonprofit within the function that got funding from corporations. It was a kind of easy win. And, um, and I've been doing that again for the last five years, helping nonprofits to grow by, um, helping nonprofits to grow by, by um, establishing corporate partners and nourishing corporate partners that fund the mission. So I've enjoyed all of my experiences, to be honest. That's amazing. So yeah, you've kind of done, have done the corporate and then now you're in the not-for-profit, but still you're working kind of with corporations. So still kind of in that you understand both really well since you're able to have experiences both, as I'm sure helps you leverage that in your current job with like relationships and partnerships and all of that. Absolutely. 
So I know you talked a little bit about like pivoting was a challenge for you. Um, would you say that's the biggest challenge you faced in, this, in your career so far? Or is there another challenge you faced in your career that was like really difficult for you to overcome? And how did you overcome it? Yeah, I would say pivoting was definitely, I thought it was going to be easy because Accenture is such a huge um, and reputable brand that anybody would want somebody coming from Accenture. But then I um, got a dose of reality that pivoting is not as easy um, as that. So, um, and but again, coming from that organization did make it easier, but um, pivoting was definitely not as um, easy as I thought. That said, though, it wasn't the biggest challenge that I experienced in my career. I think um, if I reflect over my experiences, maybe something around ageism or colorism or racism was probably has probably been my biggest experience um, or biggest challenge in the workplace. Um, oftentimes, when you're the youngest person in the room, um, it's presumed that, and, and to a certain degree true, that you don't have all the experience you need or the experiences of more senior people on the team. And so you really do, in my you know, non-physical meaning of it, have to fight to be heard and to, um, to get the influence that you need to, to kind of manage your career and elevate it. Because oftentimes, you know, oftentimes other people will not kind of relinquish some powers so that you can have some. Nobody wants to give up power. So you have to find your own way to um, say, hey, look, I may not have been here 20 years, but my experiences have been really valuable. I bring a unique perspective. Um, my youth has brought me a lens that is not um, maybe inundated with all of the, this has happened before and we can't do it because of this. My youth actually allows me to think creatively and fresh. So um, yeah, so maybe some of those biases around being an African-American woman or um, being a 20 something and, you know, kind of escalating quickly through the professional world. I totally appreciate you saying that because I think so many people, especially that listen to this podcast, like our listeners are around that age and probably have experienced something similar or will experience that as they enter the corporate world or, you know, any industry. Um, so I really appreciate that advice and like just hearing your perspective because something that a lot of people don't talk about, like, you know, I've asked this question quite a few times in the podcast and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced the same things um, or I've felt you know, similar biases towards them, but it's hard to talk about. And it's hard to like put yourself out there and say that. So I really appreciate you talking about that because I think it's going to help a lot of our listeners out there. And it's really important to like recognize this and be aware of it, but also be, have the confidence and have like the, the yeah, like the self-confidence to be able to like put yourself out there as you were saying, and you worded it really well and kind of highlight your advantages and highlight what you bring to the table rather than highlighting things that you genuinely can't change so that was really great advice and like i really appreciate you sharing that of course and i do want to say the counter to that though um is being humble as a young person too and realizing that there is so much value that your peers have for sure and done it and so not coming into 
you know, we come from an incredibly confident generation. So not coming into the picture like, I got it. I know the answer. I know how to figure it out. But coming to the table with, you know, yes, have that same level of confidence, but a little bit of humility in that the people who've been there have done it before. Um, and so it's a lot of people say that the younger generation is arrogant and self-entitled. So as long as you're cognizant about that, you know, making sure not to project that because if, if it's originally projected, then a person can discredit you. So you want to come in humble yet confident in fighting your way to the top. For sure that, yeah, I totally agree with that. And there definitely is a balance. You got to kind of know right place, right time. And when, when it's time to insert yourself and when it's time to, and also there's so much to learn from everyone that you work with. Even when you're in school, you are always learning, like even from your classmates, from your upper years, even from people that are younger than you, like there's oh, everyone around you has such different experiences. So it's important to like recognize that and learn from it and then complement, you know, their experiences with your own and kind of like find that balance. So I totally agree with that. And it's kind of on this topic of, you know, finding yourself in the corporate world or in any industry and kind of working your way up. I'm sure you've had a ton of mentors or people who have inspired you throughout your career. Maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, people who have been in your personal life or professional life that have really mentored you or inspired you. Yeah, I'll I'll probably be quick with this one, but one mentor comes to mind and I had this pretty crazy idea Um, outside of my um, career um, at SoGal, I've, I have a coaching business and my team knows about it where I do life coaching and career coaching um, for millennials and um, Gen Z. And um, I thoroughly enjoy my coaching practice. Um, and before deciding to do it, I've always just cared about business matters and how to grow, how to scale um and to have this little passion on the side i was a little bit insecure about it and um to but i knew it was real because i had always been a mentor my whole life and so i went to one of my mentors and i said i think i want to coach like on the side i enjoy it and so she said to me i said but i she was a self-made like millionaire 25 plus years at xerox so all we talked about was business so i was really insecure about asking this you know corporate guru woman about like the soft thing of life coaching. Um, and she said to me, I know you and I, um, I know the quality of person you are and you're excellent and whatever you do, you're going to be great at it. And, and so that was huge for me because here I am thinking she's going to be like, what am I going to do with that? Like we talk about business here. Um, and she was just like, you're going to be great at whatever you want to do. And so sometimes I think we just need to go back to the basics of like, do whatever it is you set your heart out out to do and believe in yourself. And it's been great ever since then. Well, congratulations on that. And I'm glad that it's been something that's been a passion for you and that you've enjoyed. So I'm happy to hear that someone was able to kind of give you that little push into it. And I think that's something that we all need. Sometimes it's just that little timid idea in the back of our head but with a little bit of mentorship or inspiration it can always like you can do whatever you want and you can follow your dreams or you know chase whatever you want out there so that's a really great piece of advice um and kind of to tie everything together is there one piece of advice that you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given throughout your career that you want to leave our listeners with i will tie tie it up by saying I want every listener um, of this podcast to 
one, believe in yourself and to know what thoughts are true and know what thoughts are not true, right? We, we all have this little self, self-sabotage um, voice in our head sometimes. Um, I call it the saboteur. <laughs> but so, so believing in yourself uh, beyond all costs because that projects in so many ways. When you believe in yourself, you can be assertive. Assertive is something that you're absolutely gonna need to be believable in the world. So believing in yourself causes you to do your work and to speak with confidence. So you are assertive, you speak with confidence, people take you seriously. Believing in yourself allows you to actually be able to accomplish that thing. Because whatever you think of or ideate, if you truly don't believe in it, you'll never be able to accomplish it. So. I would say that believing in yourself at all costs and then nourishing those tentacles that come from believing in yourself, the assertiveness, the confidence, the execution, the action, nourish each of those tentacles that stem from there. And I think anyone on this call, regardless of what you want to do, will have a beautiful career. That's amazing. Thank you so much. That's a great way, I think, to close this episode off with. You gave us some great advice um, throughout this whole episode. And hearing your experiences, both the corporate world and the not-for-profit world, is really valuable. And I hope that all of our listeners, you know, take something away from this episode and really implement it in their everyday life or in their career. Um, so before we close off, where can listeners connect with you online as well as SoGal Foundation? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at, at Marjorie. M-A-R-J-O-R-I-E underscore R-E-M-I King um, on Instagram. I have uh, at It's Marjorie on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to, to give advice, to answer questions, i.e. outside of my amazing organization of, of, of SoGal. I'm a life coach, so always happy to help. And I thank you so much for having me. I've had a really great time. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great to have you on the show. And um, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Instagram at business.casual.podcast. Till next time.